Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and we are back to talking about resistance. And I'm so excited that we're finally here with season two, episode one of Star Wars Resistance. Yay! Yay. it feels so good to be back on the colossus with kaz and the gang and you and i saw this episode at star wars celebration at the resistance panel uh and we loved it back then and so finally getting to rewatch it i was so ready i was very ready yeah i have to be honest like i i i I don't know. Every time, you know, I don't know why I'm saying this. That's never happened to me before. I've never seen an exclusive episode (laughs) at a panel. (laughs) But I feel like I forget things. And I definitely forget, forgot what happened. Like almost, I don't know. I I think I just like forgot a lot of the jokes and stuff like that. So it was really good to revisit Mm -hmm. is the moral of the story. Definitely. (laughs) Like you were like every time. Wait, this is I'm like, I've never, that's never happened to me before. But we are here to talk about Resistance. So as you guys know, if you are fans of the show Resistance, this is going to be the last season of Resistance. And we talked about it. We did like a whole discussion on Resistance ending after two seasons on our Patreon where we kind of aired our grievances Mm -hmm. (laughs) and were very sad and upset about it. So we're going to try and not have too much of that in our main show here about resistance because even though we're both very sad and upset that it is ending we don't want to dwell in that headspace here on the show um this is really me talking to myself because (laughs) i was (laughs) very much in a bad headspace about resistance ending i like dwelled in that negativity for far too long and i don't want to do that because i really do love this show and i don't want to watch every episode being sad about it ending i can't promise that that won't come up as we move through season two but uh i know for me personally i'm going to try very hard to not do that because i do love this show and i want to spend its last season celebrating all the things i love about it um and not focusing on the sadness that it is ending yeah, um, I'm really glad to hear that because I think that, <laughs> that, that Caitlin's right. She's talking to herself because I was <laughs> as sad I am as I am about uh, resistance ending. I just can't live in that negative space. I have to think about the positives about it, and I have to remind myself that the season now that it will be the last one is going to be so jam packed with awesome that I can't wait to discuss it on our analysis episodes, which these are, and we will focus mainly on what the, the shows are telling us, right. Rather than like everything that happens outside of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if you are interested in being sad, we do have that episode up on Patreon. (laughs) I think the episode is literally called 30 minutes of us being sad about resistance. (laughs) Yeah. It is. So if you are new to our resistance recaps, this is kind of the structure we go through. First, we're going to talk about kind of who this episode was by, and then we get into our parts. So this episode was called Into the Unknown. It aired on October 6th, and it was written by Stephen Melching, and it was directed by Brad Rao. And Brad was the director of some episodes of Rebels and a supervising director on a lot of Force of Destiny's episodes, as well as storyboard artists for Rebels and Force of Destiny. So He's been around Star Wars quite a bit. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So (laughs) in part one, we're going to be doing our highs and lows, which is where um, Caitlin and I give two highs and one low. And in part two, we're going to be talking all about the story of the episode. 
And in part three, we talk about the characters. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. Okay, welcome to part one, where like Charlotte said, we are doing our highs and lows. And real fast before we start that, I do just have to say that I think it's hilarious that this episode is called Into the Unknown, which is the name of one of the new Frozen songs for Frozen I know. (laughs) I know. We heard a good chunk of that song at D23. and The whole song. We heard the whole song. We did hear the whole song. You're right. And it was so good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, I'm ready for everyone to love Into the Unknown even more than Let It Go. So... I just think it's funny that this week they promoted that song a little bit. Yeah. And so then it seemed like Into the Unknown was trending. And then here comes Star Wars with an episode <laughs> called Into the Unknown, which I think is just hilarious. It's it's so funny. There's like this weird overlap. It's just really funny. <laughs> <laughs> but in this section, we do do two highs and one low for each episode. So Charlotte, I will let you go first with your first high. Okay. So my first high is like a conglomeration of two things in one specific incident. I love the further development of the divide between Kaz and Tam and the guilt Kaz is feeling and the like kind of headstrongness that Tam is feeling. I'm, I love exploring that. It was something that I was really excited about seeing at Celebration when we watched this episode. I was thrilled when she put on that helmet. Oh my God. But the specific incident I really loved was when Kaz called Tora Tam by accident. I thought that was like a really good small moment where it further showed their, um, I don't know, the fact that uh, Kaz's mind is kind of dwelling on that guilt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was such a good moment. And I love too how Tora was very much like, it's okay, you know? Like, this is, it's okay to feel that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a great shot, too, because you just see Miku, like, floating in the background, like, somersaulting behind them <laughs> as they're having this <laughs> really nice moment, <laughs> um, which kind of brings me into my first high, which was the tone of the episode. This episode gave me such last shot vibes, uh, which is the book that came out before Solo by Daniel Jose Older, which is an incredible book that we both love um but that book is so funny has a lot of horror elements and i definitely got that vibe from this episode of resistance and i really enjoyed it i mean do you remember watching it at um celebration and when you see the first order bb unit in the hallway everyone was like (gasps) (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then when you know each of them are going down that hallway one by one it was like oh my god where is he <laughs> so good. So good. Yeah. And then yeah. <laughs> Niku is like, CB23, where are you? Oh, there you are. <gasps> Her head is not connected. <laughs> and the way they do that shot also, where it kind of looks like the head is connected, it was good. It was, it was but it's not. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. I love the tone of this episode. I think they really nailed the um, you know, combining that like, well, the first order is gonna find out where we are and um, you know, like the ship is in bad condition with that comedy. I just felt like they did a really good job with it. And the horror element was just really fun. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay, so mine my next one, um, it kind of goes with what you just said. I love the CB versus the First Order BB uh, unit. I thought it was so cute. I love CB so much. <laughs> so much. Sometimes I'm like, I can't believe we have a pink and teal BB unit. I know. In, it, it, she's just so cute. I love her. She's so fierce. She's like, I, I don't know. I just love her. And I like I like that, that one line where um, 
uh, Tora was like, the First Order makes them tough. And <laughs> and Kaz goes, and hurdy. I was like, this is just so good. I love resistance so much with for the word hurdy. <laughs> I think that's what he said, right? <laughs> I don't remember, but I believe you. I didn't I put on captions. Kaz would say yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So good. It was really good. <laughs> yeah, their, their whole sequence was amazing. And I love how CB like got to you know, one up the the first order BB unit, you know, like finally get, Mm -hmm. finally be the one to like help take him down once and for all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, My second high was, is of course, to no one's surprise, seeing more of the Colossus. Um, (laughs) I just, one, I love being on this ship. As you all know, I loved seeing it in hyperspace. It was beautiful. And just seeing, like we got to go up all the way up with, um, Doza all the way up to the control center, which is a new room on the Colossus that we get to see. And it was just so great to see this like great command ship. And I think it was cool because you're reminded that the Colossus was this empire fueling station and it was like fully mm-hmm. equipped to be such. It's not just this like hunky rundown fueling station on Castellon in the middle of nowhere. It's like bringing it back to its former glory. And then it does still have a lot of areas we haven't seen. And like being down more in the engineering room. I love being in the engineering room because I think they always do such a good job with the lighting and everything down there. Um, and I think that really lended itself to to that horror tone that was going on in this in this episode, like with all the oranges and blacks and things like that down there. Um, I think too, like not having the gravity in the Colossus was just so fun. Anytime they're doing like uh, like where spaceships lose gravity or they're underwater and stuff, there's just like so much room for comedy, and you get to use the ship in a different way than you would if they're just like walking around you know mm-hmm. and I just think that that's like so fun and just like another great use of the Colossus Definitely. Um, and there were just like a lot of great tracking moments as we're kind of like swimming through the air with our characters and you're getting to see new details even in places that we have already been so I thought this episode which is so good yeah I I really, it's funny because now I'm remembering when we were watching it at Celebration and how much laughs all the scenes got. Mm -hmm. And especially the shots in um, the bar and like all those. I think that, I think that we're going to hear that people are like, oh, I think that people just knowing this fandom and how it goes, it's like, oh, it's a little slapstick. But I think that first off, this, this episode is way less like comedic or slapstick or like, um, has falling down a lot which he does than it is in the past and i think that you're totally right like the way that they use those spaces with like gravity anti-gravity is so good and it was funny it was interesting and i i remember getting like huge laughs everything got really big reactions mm-hmm. in that in that celebration stage which was really fun to be witness of that, that was like the resistance panel we've said this many times was like the best panel at celebration and just to like be there while they revealed an episode and then watch it with a bunch of fans because caitlin and i watched these these episodes you know on our own on our computer <laughs> when they when they release on sunday and being there with like a room full of fans was so exciting and encouraging for mm-hmm. the show yeah. and knowing that that how much people love it and how much people are really interested in the characters and everything and that, i'm sorry this is a tangent but i think that it really gives to like it speaks to the the great i don't know the situational comedy that was present that you're referring to with like the gravity and everything like that it was just good yeah. And the audience loved it too. <laughs> yep. And we love it today, just like we did back then. Yes, absolutely. 
<laughs> so did you have any lows for this episode? I don't really. And it's hard for me to say that I have – usually my lows are like, oh, I wish we saw more of this. But I'm going to give them room because we have a whole season ahead of us. And I don't expect every question to be answered here. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course, I – the whole thing about Kaz to me that is interesting is that right now his mind is really dwelling on Tam but his whole planet just got blown up. So I'm just a little like, I I, I could have used a, a, a brief second more of that depressing vibe. I get like an understanding that, uh, Kaz, we'll talk about this, Kaz is kind of in a lower place right now, obviously, but I think the audience is more to say that that is because of his, he feels that he betrayed Tam rather than his planet was just blown up. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point because that was something that I kind of had a criticism of at the end of last season is that they should have been bringing up Hazegan Prime so much more throughout the first season because they did handle that scene really well where Kaz watches his planet blow up. And I thought that was really well done, but it didn't hit as hard for me because really they only talked about it in like two or three episodes throughout the whole season. And it was at the yeah. front half of the season too. In the middle, we never talk about Hathaway Prime or his parents or his family, where it comes from, anything like that. And so while it is, of course, a big deal to Kaz, I feel like as the audience like we, I don't know that that connection wasn't there the way I feel like it should have been. And you're right; it's kind of not carrying through even in this episode. He does bring it up to Doza, but even then, it's kind of it's. I don't want to say nonchalant, but he was just like, "I don't even know if my parents are still alive," and then he just kind of moves on. Um, mm-hmm. But I wonder if one, he's kind of compartmentalizing, which of course maybe we'll never know. Um, and two, it's like. Tam is someone that he does know where she is and he can still like try and reach out to her. I don't know. I think that's a really good point though. I hope that that's something that we've both have been wanting from resistance is a lot more discussion on Hazi and prime and what exactly Kaz's family does there and how he did grow up. Um, Mm -hmm. But I didn't really have any other lows for this episode either. One of my other highs was of course Kaz still being Kaz. Um, And like you said, I think it's clear to see that the past few days have changed him a lot. Um, But he is still starting to take control of situations and be a leader on the Colossus, which is great to see. And I just love, you know, one of the things we always talk about with Kaz is that even though he doesn't always know exactly what he's doing, he always dives into situations headfirst. He's never going to be the one to let someone else go and put themselves in danger first. Like, he'll go and do it. And we got to see that Mm -hmm. a lot throughout this episode, like, especially with the BB unit from the First Order. Um, When he finds out that he's trying to contact the First Order on Castellan, he immediately, like, swims down (laughs) through the glasses and is like, (laughs) not today, Satan. (laughs) Like, (laughs) pushes him away. It was just good. And he always has these, like, crazy ideas that you're like, you shouldn't do that, Kaz. (laughs) Like, when he opens the... I guess the the portal into space <laughs> and he's just like yeah. hold on <laughs> <laughs> but he does it and it worked and it was great so um yeah I'm so excited for Cash this season yes me too I really just think that all of our characters are going to be super tested and I love that mm-hmm. you know? yeah. <laughs> I love drama and I love seeing the limits that they can bring these amazing characters that they really you know it's so funny because I think that people say that there's uh that the resistance season one was like kind of slow and I could not disagree with that more Mm -hmm. at all. 
I think that w- every episode Caitlin and I reviewed, we were like, this is moving so fast. So much happened. Wow. Like, they're really digging into this. And I feel like that's exactly how uh, season two is going to be as well. But like, really, they're like putting the pedal to the metal because like they only have one more season and they have to. I think they've said the creators have said that it will track right up against the Rise of Skywalker, which is so interesting. And Ooh. I cannot wait to see how it goes. I'm stressed. I know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Well, are we ready to dive into part two? Yes, let's do it. Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. Okay, so welcome to part two. And if you're new here, we always ask this question um whether the proper noun is replaced or not. Uh Depends on the episode, but here we go. So, Caitlin, what is the state of the resistance? I hate that you always intro this part and so that I always have to answer the question, (laughs) what's the state of the resistance (laughs) first? Because I'm always like, I don't know, but it's not great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that we can back up and be like, okay, so where are we right now? Because two episodes ago, (laughs) two episodes ago, it was The Force Awakens and Kaz saw uh the Hosian Prime blow up. Yes. So right now the Colossus hasn't really spoken with Leia since basically that incident. So the Colossus is rushing to go to Dakar. And it's hard for me to remember or kind of place and maybe there is no placement yet and we just have to wait and see. Um but at this point if the last Jedi is beginning then Dakar is being evacuated. So there's a possibility that if the Colossus does get to Dakar, that <laughs> Connix and everyone have, you know, there isn't time, get to the transports, you know? Yeah. Um, that whole, basically the, the first line in The Last Jedi. So <laughs> I'm kind of looking forward to that if that does happen. If they're only like three clicks, apparently, away from Dakar, I'm ready for them to kind of show up and be like, oh, wow, there's no one here. <laughs> <laughs> Where are they're they? They're kind of setting that up because Yeager in the beginning was like, "You're sure they're on Dakar?" And Kaz was like, "A hundred percent." And you know he's wrong, but he's not wrong. It's just not going to be great once they get there, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So I think that, like, in terms of what the state of the resistance is, is that right now we know that they're in dire straits because if timeline serves. Right now is when Poe is basically losing like half their fleet in uh, the assault on the dreadnought. Yeah. Right. Yes. And and it's just a mess. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching Star Wars Explains uh, video from Alex and Molly on kind of a recap or an overview review of season one of Resistance, which if you've never watched Star Wars Explains videos, they're so great <laughs> they like really mm-hmm. bring you up to speed on things and like highlight all the relevant points and stuff going on but there was this interesting comment on their video from someone named leader mcfly six which i thought was really interesting um just kind of pulling into our conversation now about like what the state of the resistance is and as we're tracking through this timeline with the last jedi and the user said it's so ironic leia and the resistance need fuel in the last jedi but thanks to niku which i don't really know if i completely agree with that but um the colossus a refueling station doesn't arrive in time over to car to meet up with the fleet and save them which i think is really interesting 
because the Colossus is a fueling station and that's like the whole crux of the resistance in The Last Jedi. So where does the Colossus go that they are never able to meet up with the last with the the resistance within the last Jedi timeline because that's the mm-hmm. whole problem. Um, so where is the Colossus? <laughs> because you're right, they're <laughs> they're three parsecs away from Dakar, and I wonder if they never do get their communications up in time. Or I don't know. I just think it's really interesting that that is exactly what the resistance needs is the Colossus and they're not going to get it in the last Jedi timeline. So I wonder if we'll ever actually see them. Well, I mean, we're going through the rise of Skywalker, so potentially they do meet up after the events of the last Jedi, but I feel like the Colossus is going to get in some big trouble because they don't ever meet up with the resistance in the last Jedi timeline. And Kylo Ren is in this. We saw that in the trailer. So like what is happening? (laughs) There's, it's so interesting because what we know about the rise of Skywalker and like what has come out in terms of like reference books, especially with Force Friday last Friday and like finding out and piecing together where the resistance is in the rise of Skywalker. I guess they have assembled a fleet bigger than the Millennium Falcon, and I think that they get help from the Mon Calamari ships and the Mon Cala. I, I never know how to refer. I'm to like Calamari is an appetizer. <laughs> Not as well. No, Mon Calamari is the is the I planet. Know, I know and, it is, but I'm always like that shouldn't be right because that's an appetizer. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that Star Wars refers to it mostly as oh, whatever. It doesn't matter, Mon Cala. <laughs> and um, so so they have. I I guess by the rise of Skywalker, they'll have assembled a bigger fleet than what we saw obviously at the end of the Last Jedi. And I think Matt Martin said that yesterday at New York Comic Con is like this time period between The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker is how do we get the resistance on stable footing so that the fight against the First Order is fair? <laughs> and I think that that's really interesting given the Star Wars Resistance TV show because Col- the Colossus is clearly a powerful, huge ship. And I haven't seen it mentioned in anything for The Rise of Skywalker. I would, Kayla and I would love for it to show up in The Rise of Skywalker, of course, but it'll be interesting to see how that does happen because I almost feel like it's going to be a, a a situation of like sliding doors where um, the, the, the Colossus will just miss the resistance by like three clicks or something. Man. Also, um, speaking of Matt Martin, uh, if you guys haven't been around since we haven't been doing Resistance for a while, Charlotte and I actually got to interview Matt Martin uh, at D23. It was about Vader Immortal, but we definitely brought up Resistance. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We got to interview Matt Martin, Ben Snow, and Jose Perez. Um, And Jose Perez worked on concept drawings or 3D concepts for resistance and i definitely asked about the colossus <laughs> he was like i was like is there a giant map of the colossus well no the, that that whole question was really interesting and i think you're laughing about it but like you asked if they did because basically the whole thing about vader immortal and rebels was that they would do full 3d renderings so that they could understand the space when they would animate and draw within um the set pieces and Caitlin basically asked if something existed like that for the resistance for um, the Colossus. Yeah, yeah. And he said no. And I th- we thought that was really interesting because – but then at the same time, it made sense because the Colossus is so big. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a 3D rendering of like the entire Star Destroyer doesn't exist. Yeah. 
but he he was like, oh yeah, we did that for Rebels. So I wonder. I just wonder. Yeah. It makes me. He think. did. He said. Um, <laughs> he said that. Yeah, he did say that the Colossus is too big. He said that one exists for Aunt Z's bar, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. And then he said one does also exist for the ghosts from Rebels, like you said. Mm-hmm. So I just I knew that all of you listening to this would appreciate that I managed to bring up the Colossus <laughs> in, in an interview all about Vader Immortal. <laughs> I was like, that's great, but <laughs> uh, you're right, though, because they were the, the reason we even thought of that question is because they were using kind of similar technology and Jose Perez was kind of involved in both. So Jose Perez, if you happen to be listening to this and want to make one of the Colossus, please let us know. <laughs> we would really love that. <laughs> okay, so what were we talking about before I got off track with the Colossus? <laughs> <laughs> so what's the state of the first okay, order so the state of the first order is that they're trying so hard to find the colossus so we're back on the colossus <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> what i the cast had this really interesting line that um he said i think he was it was when he was talking to doza and he was like yeah you know one second we didn't even know what the Col- what the first order was doing and suddenly like they have this whole fleet and like I think he even said like things are escalating so quickly and I was like yes Cass, they are <laughs> and I think that was just a really good uh, for me that felt like a really good moment to remember that things like for as pressured as we feel with the timeline they feel that pressure too in the universe um, right. because they I think you said it but they've kind of been treating the first order as like this empire fanatics and they're not like they're almost on the outskirts but the first order have really been like building up their fleet this whole time and with Hosni and Prime they finally demonstrated just how much power they are and everyone was like WTF like this is serious now um and it really has escalated so quickly and so I think the first order is like they're now out in the open now and so nothing is off the table and they don't have to hide in the shadows anymore I think that's really interesting because if we can, and I know we don't love to think about resistance this way, but I think that they're almost begging us to to think about it, resistance this way as a bridge between The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker. It will be so interesting as we see a major promotion of like the word Sith and everything and then the red troopers and just like a huge escalation, like you use, you use that word escalation, of like military might from their first order. I don't know. It'll be really, I wonder if we'll see some of that escalation happening in this just to link it a little bit more um, so that when we go see the Rise of Skywalker, we're like, yeah, they have all this stuff. And not only did we see that on screen in The Last Jedi or it's it's just so, (laughs) so much um, firepower, so many ships, so many troopers, and they're clearly amassing like a huge fleet and trying to... And the other thing that's really interesting, I think, is that in my mind, almost in the same way that Star Wars Rebels did, is Tierney has like one singular mission as uh, Commander, Admiral, I can't remember her title, and that is to figure out what the deal is with the Colossus and get that and make sure that it doesn't go into Leia's mm-hmm. hands. And I think that her singular mission is pretty similar to, like, how we can look at, like, admirals and uh, the moths of the Grand Moths or whatever in Rebels and how they had all these um, these smaller missions, like, with Lothal and, like, uh, finding the former Jedi temples and everything like that. And 
as that mission for Tierney becomes um, more prominent or as the Colossus continues to slip out of the First Order's fingers, what will happen to Tam on that end if that is Tierney's singular mission? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> I mean, I don't either. It's just there's so much speculation yeah. that you can. There's just the, the thing about resistance to me that's just so great is that there's all these different story threads that they can go on, go into. And I think that some sometimes people complain about the sequel trilogy being so compact that there's not enough storytelling room. And I just have to disagree with that entirely, just given the characters that we have in resistance and the amount of like threads that we can go Mm -hmm. down, um, especially with the creation of the first order, which is wholly different than um, the empire as it is kind of clandestine. And as we see it come to prominence, to me, it gets more and more interesting rather than the empire having in, in like the, the reign of the empire, the empire was basically the only thing that, I don't know. I think that there's just the the Republic reigns in this time period. Well, not anymore, right? So to see that happen and that change happen, um, I don't know. It's just it's just really interesting, and it's it's definitely different than how we view things in the original trilogy. Yeah, I think era. that's a really good point you brought up about how the Republic like reigned in this era, and now they don't, and so everything is just going to be descending mm-hmm. into chaos on all of these different planets and with the resistance and the first order. And I wonder how much of that we'll get to see uh, from like the perspective of our characters, like Kaz and, and Tam and, and Tora and all of them. Um, because now that we do have the Colossus out in space, is it going to be docking places? I mean, they said that they were out of Calaxium fuel, which is something that we learned a lot about in Solo. Uh, so, and you were, you've actually been on the money for this for like years. You're like, fuel is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars Star is about fuel. fuel and resources. <laughs> Um, I think since Force Awakens, you've been like, the fuel. <laughs> have Solo that's like, the fuel. <laughs> oh, literally the entire Solo plot of Solo. Solo has <laughs> on the on Coaxium <laughs> as a theme. <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah. But yeah, like just where is exactly is the Colossus going to go? Is it going to stay in space? If it does dock somewhere else, what is that place? What? How is that place reacting to the news of something like Hosnian Prime? Because Hosnian Prime was not meant to be something remote like Dantooine would have been for the Empire. It mm-hmm. was meant to be this horrible loudspeaker about just what the First Order was all about and what they were willing to do as well. And I just think I think it's so interesting that the Colossus is like was this rundown ship that no one cared about but suddenly it's of like high importance to the first order just how many how how much fueling can the colossus do and what other types of fueling stations does the first order already have um to the point where like getting this one is maybe not the highest priority but they they've they're exhausting a lot of time and effort and personnel to get it you know what i mean um, yeah. So I, I find that really interesting. And, and as things are kind of heating up, oh my God, our our pot of water is boiling some more. We're upping it to three. Yes, it is. It's <laughs> It really is. I think that you, you mentioned something interesting is that it's not the highest priority. It's definitely not. But I still think that the story deserves to be told and it deserves our attention. Oh yeah, 100%. But in like the bigger picture of what the First Order is doing, 
Um, obviously, because like that's the strength of the Colossus is that it is this microcosm of what's going on in the galaxy and how it's affecting this like one particular space uh, within the galaxy. But this space also happens to be important to the First Order, too. Yeah. And also at the end of the day, if we get to the Rise of Skywalker and Palpatine's contingency plan like comes to fruition and he has this whole like group of ships in the unknown, right? Mm-hmm. Will he needs fuel. They need fuel to power those ships. So it's yeah. it's really a fight between this, you know, the <laughs> the resistance having no ships now and that this fueling station would be valuable for them if they ever had cobbled together older ships and needed fuel for that. Mm-hmm. But then also the first order having this mass of ships and I think we even saw that in the the trailer for the rise of Skywalker um those those like ships out in space like how are those going to be powered yeah what good is a fleet if you can't get it anywhere exactly (laughs) (laughs) there's another theme that I just think is really interesting um that kind of was a thread throughout this episode is there's this there's this idea of like someone on the inside watching that uh was present on both tam's side and uh the colossus side so you have the the evil droid who's inside the colossus but i do think that it's almost representative of problems the colossus is going to have later which is are there first order sympathizers on board i mean it's a huge ship and it just left right Mm -hmm. and so we've talked about this before but there has to be people who disagree with where the heck they're going right yeah and um and i think that it's interesting that it first manifests in this evil droid who is spying but i do think that it will come almost at a smaller like community level um later so then you have this idea of like there's always people watching and there's always uh someone looking for room to send a transmission or give away their spot or betray whatever wherever they are right Mm -hmm. and you have tam on the other side who has this uh she receives a transmission from kaz that is an apology and she leaves it be and then you have tyranny asking her to give all the secrets of where her friends are and she's she's willing to do that Mm -hmm. and i think that it's just it's just interesting to me because i think that it, tables could turn and perhaps Tam could help the resistance in the end, but you do have this idea of someone always on the inside um, watching, uh, try, waiting to give your secrets away. Yeah, well, there's always this like transfer of knowledge going mm-hmm. on between people and like who is getting the knowledge, where it's coming from, the misunderstandings about who gives it away. You know, like I can very much see a situation where Tam decides that she is no no longer with the first order but is going to stay with the first order to try and help the resistance you know as like a double agent but then someone gets her comm link and then uses that against the resistance or against like the colossus so then kaz thinks that tam really betrayed them again you know what i mean even though she's like no 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 i didn't do that like someone else got my comm link whatever it is you know because there are just so many literal moving pieces and they're not with each other and they're in such a precarious situation, like specifically Kaz and Tam, uh, about who you can trust and who you can't. Mm-hmm. 
Also, as a short aside, I feel like they've totally dropped the First Order spy thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. And we should just kind of, like, <laughs> not discuss that until they, like, legitimately bring it up. <laughs> so, unless Tam becomes the First Order spy and comes back to the Colossus or something and then is spying for the resist- uh, for the First Order. I mean, I don't know. But I really do think they've kind of dropped that. And it's just funny that that was, like, the guiding question of the whole season one, at least in the beginning of it. And now <laughs> it's not at all. The First Order spy <laughs> is kind of like the aces, how they were like, oh, my God, the First Order spy. Oh, my God, the aces. And then neither really went anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, like, totally fine that – it didn't happen. Yeah. I really am. I, I don't really care that much about it. I just think it's funny. Oh, yeah. I mean, the first <laughs> I was always just like room for fun crack theories. <laughs> yeah. And I think that it was just the ultimate red herring to dis- distract you for – I don't know. I think that like it, it it's it's funny to be like, haha, that went nowhere. But I do think it did go somewhere because I think that it made everyone more paranoid. And – well, again, we've talked about this in our previous episodes, but I do think that the the idea that like like what I mentioned, someone is always watching. You can't who can you trust is ever present. So it is the guiding question, but it just didn't get a clear answer like everyone was really expecting. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry. If there are any good Niku first order spies spy theories, I'll tell you them here. <laughs> <laughs> good. But this episode good. in none so far. <laughs> okay so are we ready to move on to part three yes okay welcome to part three where it is our favorite part and we are going to be talking all about the characters throughout this episode and man there's going to be so much angst for a lot of our people and so much angst. i think you said it at the top of the show and i i had to like hold back laughter but you were like i just want some more depression (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> about like Kaz dealing with his family. Should I really say that? <laughs> you did. You were like, I just feel like more depressed Kaz. <laughs> That's like truly sums up how I feel about some Star Wars characters. Like I just want them to just be like in their feelings all the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I think probably the best place to start talking about our characters and really where I think we got the most development this episode was Kaz and Pam. Um, they really, I mean, seeing the poster for season two of the beautiful Colossus in the middle and then Kaz and Tam on either side of it, I think the whole room, we were like, Whoa. you know, it was, yes. it was so jarring and it was, it really brought literally front and center what I hope this season is going to focus on is the communication between Kaz and Tam and how they justify their choices to each other. And I think they both have good reasons for the choices that they made. Uh, and so how are they going to discuss them with each other? I don't know. I'm really, I'm looking forward to it. You guys know that if you listen to like our Rise of Skywalker episodes or anything, that one of the, my big wish list is for Finn and Ray to have this like sad, angry heart to heart about the choices that Ray made in The Last Jedi. And I totally am on the same page here in resistance for Kaz and Tam to have some really hard conversations. Uh, Because like I said, I think that I think that the end of the season, the conversations that Kaz had with specifically Tora and Jaeger um, and how they talked to him about the destruction of Hosnian Prime, I thought those were really good moments. And so I think 
that resistance can handle those heavy conversations really well. And so I really hope that we get the opportunity to have multiple ones of those. And the great thing about how this season is set up is that it's clear it's not going to be like a one and done kind of thing. It's not something that's going to wrap up in one episode. You can really tell that it's going to be ongoing throughout the season of Kaz reaching out to Tam and what is it going to be that gets her to the point where she finally talks back to him. You know what I mean? Um, So Mm -hmm. I guess kind of going back, let's talk about each of their sides. And like we said that they each made bad choices. So what were the choices that they did make starting with Kaz? Right. So I think it's, I don't know, I think it's valuable to do this because I think we can all sympathize and empathize with Tam and understand where she came from. And I think that we can also do the same for Kaz just based off of his own circumstances. So Kaz's side, he totally screwed up. He purposely kind of edged Tam out of any sort of private conversations, any sort of intel that what he was doing, and kind of just dragged Tam on for the ride basically the entire season one without letting her know anything. And when she was suspicious, he lied. Um, And I think that it's in this moment where like, yes, Kaz, all you need to do is talk to Tam and let her know what went wrong, how sorry you are, everything. Like we all know that. I think that and in Star Wars, communication is always key. There's always this broken down problem of communication between characters. There always is, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like it's it's in every single character relationship that there's some confusion that all you need is really a major conversation. So here we have Kaz reaching out and sending like a private communique to Tam and she doesn't even listen to it. She tosses it under the bed. And I think that, Keelan, you brought this up earlier, but like it probably will come up again and maybe maybe Tam will find it. I want Tam to find it and like listen to it and reminisce on it. But um, I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, if someone else found it mm-hmm. and was like, what the heck is this? Yeah. And I think that like I think we can ask the question of like, was this smart of Cass to do this? Personally, I can say that I think that it makes sense for Cass to do this because of what I just said. Like there's such a broken down communication line throughout Star Wars, but I just don't, maybe it wasn't the safest. Maybe it will bite them in the butt later. Oh yeah. I totally think it's going to bite them in the butt later. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think it was, it's, I thought it was really interesting that Cass brought it up and Tora was by his side and was like, you don't know what's going to happen when you use that. Like you don't know if she still has it. You don't know if someone else has it. You don't know if it's going to be intercepted. Like Tora really is the voice of reason here. And Kaz is like, no, I think I'm gonna. <laughs> and like, <laughs> as, as people who care about Kaz and Tam were like, heck yeah, boy, like you messed up. You need to apologize to her. But when you like for everything that they, that Kaz has done on the Colossus and done to the people of the Colossus, like literally uprooting them <laughs> from Castellan, mm-hmm. um, I I have to disagree that it's a good decision for Kaz to do this. Obviously, from a character standpoint, I want that angst, like I said, but I'm also like, you you don't have any defense systems. You have no communication with Outlay World. Like, maybe you should get those things up and running and then try and contact him. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. maybe we should just, like, take it slower (laughs) and get Mm -hmm. you know your defense shields working first (laughs) in Mm -hmm. case that someone else was using that um and he's definitely not going to be telling Yeager about it I don't think or or definitely not Doza you know and so I wonder 
I wonder when they will find out that he's been contacting Tam because I really do think that's going to be the thing that potentially brings Tam back to the resistance, but also puts the Colossus in a lot of danger. Uh, something we talk a lot about with in terms of the saga stories is how there is a lot of lies and concealment of information between generations and how with Ray and Kylo, that's kind of not the case, that they're from the same generation. Roughly, they, there is an age gap between them, but they're, you know, of the same time um, and they don't lie to each other. And that's kind of the big difference. And so I think it's interesting that with Kaz and Tam here, who are roughly the same age, I'm assuming. I actually don't know how old Tam is. Um, but there is this big lie between them that drove them apart. And there's still a lot of things that we don't know about our other characters too. Like Yeager and Doza, I think are the best examples. Like there's so much we still don't know about them and their involvement in the rebellion and the empire. And I don't know. I just, there's still so many things up in the air about, like, I feel like we know all of our characters' motivations, and we understand why Kaz did what he did. And to be honest, it's not like Kaz told anyone else about what he was doing. It's not like Tam was the only person he lied to. Tora figured it out, but he didn't tell her. Eager um, mm-hmm. knew because Poe told him, you know. So it's like, yes, Kaz did a bad thing, but at the same time, it's not like Tam was the only person that he left out. Tam is just the one that hurt the most. Mm-hmm. Just Definitely. yeah, I don't know. Um, obviously not excusing Kaz's actions, but uh, he wasn't only keeping things from Tam. And I don't know. I think you you understand. That's what's so great about Resistance is you really understand the choices that each of them made and the situation that they did. Kaz, even though he was a terrible spy, he was like, "I'm going to be the best terrible spy, and I'm going to keep this secret yeah. to myself." And Tam was like, "You lied to me, and not only you, but Yeager lied to me." And I wonder. I wonder if that almost hurt her more because it's something that we saw mm-hmm. a lot throughout season one for being like, Yeager just lets Kaz get away with anything. Yeager let Kaz take the fireball. Yeager lets Kaz go on break. Like Yeager does this, Yeager does that, all for Kaz. And he doesn't deserve it. Yeah. I mean, I just have to disagree that like, I understand why Tam made the choice that she made, but I can't agree with their choice of giving her friends away after like it, when Tierney asks her if if she's like willing to do everything for the first order and like support the cause and like that means giving your friends away and like telling us everything you know about them basically i don't know if i'm like yes tam do that decision because they deserve it you mm-hmm. know i think that like i think back when tam made the choice to go to the first order i was like honestly yeah makes sense mm-hmm. <laughs> and like maybe they they do deserve it they lie to her but i don't think that they deserve this kind of cruel manipulation that tyranny's team will only bring on the colossus if tam gives i just like don't understand that and um because of that which uh, perfectly makes sense because right now tam is like on the villain side (laughs) Mm -hmm. and we're supposed to align with kaz and we do and i think that it's if you look at her side, obviously, like, they lied to her and everything that she did before is, like, meaningless to her. It never gave her anything, did not bring her closer to being an ace or anything that she wanted. Um, but will the First Order be able to deliver on that? And what what happens if she gives away her friends and then they don't deliver on that? Where will she be in that position? And I just, yeah, I just can't, I can't say that I agree with her decision to 
give up her friends even even though they betrayed her in the past. Oh, yeah. I definitely don't agree with it. I understand it. And I think we talked about this with Kaz in season one, too, about how he just kind of joined the resistance, like, with blinders on. Um, very mm-hmm. much like Finn's trajectory in the sequel trilogy, too. And he, like, season one was about him discovering what the resistance is actually doing and what they're actually about. But he had already bought into it beforehand. But for Kaz, he finds that he is still still wants to be a part of that. And I think a lot of Tam's decisions right now are from a place of not really knowing what the First Order is doing. Um, like, does she know that they blew up Hosnian Prime? I don't think she witnessed that. I think she was talking to Tyranny when that happened or like wasn't mm-hmm. like she didn't see that. And she says, like, as far as I know, like the First Order is just trying to bring peace to the galaxy. Like they're just trying to keep things safe. And she doesn't mm-hmm. see her friends as doing that because what she knows of the resistance is that they're liars and the First Order is the one telling the truth. And they did tell uh, Tam the truth, but they also left out a lot of what they're doing too. So I think just like Kaz had to find out what the resistance was actually doing in season one and decide that he still wanted to be a part of that, Tam is going to have to, Tam is going to have very much a rude awakening to what the First Order is actually doing. And her eyes mm-hmm. are going to be open to that. And then I think she's going to realize, like, uh, maybe this isn't what I thought it was. And, and or maybe, maybe, like, I mean, I've seen a lot of people speculate that Tam won't come back to the Resistance at the end of Season 2. And maybe she won't. Maybe she'll continue to stay with the First Order. Maybe she'll decide that that is worth it to her. I don't know. But I think right now there's more that she doesn't know than what she does know. Yeah, when we're coming off of discussing Lost Stars, which we did last week on our show, I think that there's multiple paths of endpoints for Tam now that she's chosen the side that, I don't know, I think that it's willing to explore with the, no no Lost Stars spoilers here, but with um, the way that Lost Stars ends, I wonder how the, if if we will see some sort of reflection with Tam's story. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, the one of the big themes of Lost Stars was the theme of loyalty, and it has yes. a lot of different layers. And like we said, no spoilers for Lost Stars, but we discussed it a lot in that episode, and it's really well done throughout the book. If you haven't read Lost Stars yet, but I think in in, in Lost Stars, there's loyalty between friendships and relationships, and then also organizations like the Empire and the Rebellion, and what takes prominence for characters and when those loyalties are tested. So I think that's definitely going to be, I think that's going to be a big theme in resistance this season too, specifically for Tam and for Kaz. Like is Kaz willing to put the Colossus at large in danger if it means getting Tam back? Um, Or is he willing? That's a good question. Because he kind of has already, but He's still. No, he just yeah. did. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but like, how much further is he going to take that? And I think yeah. people have also talked about, you know, there being this battle at some point where Kaz and Tam are both flying around. Like, are they going to be able to basically pull the kill shot knowing that the other could potentially be on that ship? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It's going to be sad. <laughs> I mean, I'm a little nervous that Tam is going to go through some sort of brainwashing situation, like the whole brain scrape thing yeah. that we Ooh. heard in Ugh. season one, which is like the worst word yeah. ever. 
<laughs> so, and I'm just, I'm a little nervous that that's going to come up and I hope it doesn't, but we've, cl- we've clearly seen people like rise above their programming. So yeah, maybe it'll be okay. Yeah. So. I don't know. I, I wonder too, I don't know. Cause I was like, does everyone in the first order get brain scraped or <laughs> I can't even say it without getting the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> um, I know. Or is it people who they kidnap who get into it? Like they, if they were going to do that to Tam, it's, it's kind of like, what's the point of tyranny asking her these really pointed questions? Like, are you going to have, like, do you have what it takes to betray your friends again and again and again and like potentially get them killed? Like if they were going to do that to Tam, it's like, what's the point of asking those questions? Because they already have her on the ship. You know, so I wonder mm-hmm. if there is kind of this hierarchy or like maybe the process of brain scraping isn't like you lose your memories too. So it's like, what good is Tam to us if she can't contact the Colossus? It like doesn't remember who they are. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I wonder if they'll get into that. Oh, that's true. That's true. Hmm. There's so much we don't know about brain scraping. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the thing that's so interesting about Star Wars is that like they can do whatever they want. Yeah. Brain scraping can mean whatever they want. So, like, it could erase, I don't know, it could make you more into the First Order. It doesn't necessarily have to erase anything. I don't know. It's just, it's fiction. So it can do whatever it needs to. (laughs) It'll just be interesting to see if that does come up. No, totally. Um, Okay, so the other character, we didn't really see a lot of Yeager, but what did we see of Yeager? I just think it's interesting that we see Yeager now like fully taking the helm of helping Doza and helping the resistance. It really feels like this bridge between who was at the bottom of the Colossus when there was this like legitimate hierarchy and the top of the Colossus is like totally blown wide open. And I think that's great because that was just a, such an arbitrary thing of like who's at the top of the tower and who's at the bottom, mm-hmm. you know? And now it's not like that at all. They're just all at the top. Yeah. <laughs> um really. I mean, it, our characters are with I can't really speak for the rest of the Colossus as we said, but when in this moment where which is actually ironic now that I think about it, um given the fact that Tam left Tam is now missing out on this potential opportunity to be further involved with Doza and potentially the Aces when in the past she never had that opportunity and she never could get as close as she could to the high tower and basically where they are now. Mm -hmm. And now she's, she's gone. She'll, she'll never do that. But with Yeager, I think that that was such a, there was a little bit of a strain there, a reluctance to take up the mantle of, what he was in the past, like a racer and his the whole episode with his brother and everything. And now, now we have him really helping Doza, which was really exciting to see because Yeager is one of my favorite characters. I, I think he, he's awesome and I cannot wait to see what else he does in resistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am really hoping, I really like the setup with Doza and Yeager so far this season, because I don't know, I think it's just nice to have these older people like talking to these younger people and like figuring out a solution mm-hmm. together. And I, like I said at the top of the show, I think I really hope we get more information about Doza and Yeager's time in the Empire and the Rebellion and how they put those differences behind them to yeah. be where they are now on the Colossus. I think that's a really interesting story that we've heard nothing about. That is so <laughs> true. That's so true. I, f- I actually completely forgot that they were basically on opposite sides of war and now they're not. So that's another bridge that they've completely yeah, made. Yeah. And I, you know, is there a parallel there, there 
for Kaz and Tam at the end of this season. Too. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. There's always room for that. Star Wars rhymes. <laughs> you can't you can't you'd be like, oh, I wonder if there's gonna be a parallel. Yes, the parallel is already existing. It's already happening. You know what they say. It's like poetry. <laughs> poetry it rhymes. rhymes. <laughs> and also, I mean Ray and Kylo too. To right, yeah, of course. That's the underlying thing of this entire conversation, always, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> it's like, oh, opposite sides of war, opposite yeah. sides of war, opposite mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah, so, so. you know, Look to the animation department for the future of for the future Star, Star Wars. Wars. Oh, oh my goodness! We have this great new shirt on our T Public. This design by our friend James from Twitter at OMG More James, and it it's a design that says "Look to the animation department for the future of Star Wars," and it has Dave Filoni on it, like a silhouette, and the two sons of Tatooine, and it's so good. And you can get it on T Public, and all of the proceeds go to the Foundation Women in Animation. So. If you're interested, just a quick shameless plug for that. You can go and check that out on yes. Public. Um, and as this is our first episode all about animation for this year, we had to bring it up. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it was great to see Doze's office again. Uh, he's still got his tree there. I feel like I bring up his tree every time in his office. I thought of you when I saw I the tree. I almost texted you and I was like, did you see the tree? <laughs> I did. This time I did. And, you know, I think that we didn't really talk about this, but, like, the colors in Resistance are totally changing. Mm-hmm. Now that we're in space, it's way darker and things are more ambiguous. It's so cool. And it's so great. It, it's so cool. But, like, it, the his office, like you brought up, looks super different mm-hmm. than what we saw in the past because before it was, like, beautiful, sunny waters in the back. And now it's dark and what's – there's a creepy tree in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool though because if you remember Joza's Empire uniform, Imperial uniform, he still has it, and it was hidden in like that back closet that Kaz like was hiding in. He was like, "Oh, what is this?" And um, then Doza also kind of unlocked this other door that took them up to the control room. So there's still things to be revealed within the Colossus. And like I said, it's the best set piece in Star Wars because there are so many nooks and crannies to it. And it it lends, it lends itself a lot to the plot and story. And mm-hmm. it's just so good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> the last thing I want to bring up for this episode that we need to remember is that there are pirates on board the Colossus. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's coming up <laughs> That's soon. That's coming it up soon. To. It was like halfway through the episode. And I was like, oh, my God, the pirates. <laughs> There's just so much inside the Colossus. There really is. There really is. And, yeah, I cannot wait <laughs> to see how all of that <laughs> is going to shake out. And I hope that we get to see our characters, like our side characters. Like, oh, one, it was great to see o- OP Pit kind of around <laughs> I love I was like don't worry we're gonna fix it and OP Pit was just like whatever <laughs> like, speaking of big laughs like at celebration that was like the biggest running joke people love that oh yeah oh yeah people love OP Pit <laughs> mm-hmm. um but I hope that we get to see our uh, our side characters like Aunt Z and, and Hype and Flix and Orca outside of their respective settings more and like interacting like Aunt Z and the pirates. That's just like a fun combo. And like Flix and Orca with the pirates, also a fun combo. You know, I just hope we get. We need Sonara back. And Sonara, yeah. I mean, she's coming. I just like, I need to see all of those people interacting together because I think that'll just be 
really fun to watch. I think there'll just be a lot of good laughs. Absolutely. Ugh, I love this show so Me much. Too. Like so Me much. So <laughs> Even just reminiscing about last season, I'm like, wow, such a good season. Yeah. So, much good stuff. <laughs> yeah. so Resistance definitely had the strongest opening of any of our animated shows. And I think episode one of season two, Into the Unknown, was just as strong. And it makes me really excited for the rest of this season. Yeah, the hype level for next week is really high, given the fact that this wasn't necessarily like new content for you and me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So yes. <laughs> looking forward to it. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so is that it? I think that we could talk about Resistance forever, but... Yeah, I think that is it for this episode. I'm sure there are things we did not cover. But if you guys watched the first episode, let us know what you think and uh is opipid ever gonna get the colossus clean <laughs> that's the question <laughs> no let us know will the show end with that <laughs> please <laughs> <laughs> please do um you can let us know if you think opipid will ever get the colossus clean on twitter you can find us at sky talkers pod or our personal handles which are at caitlin plusher is mine or kate Lossus. you can also find me as kate Lossus on twitter right now um or charlotte's <laughs> which is at clarity we also have our website skytalkers.com and if you liked what you hear you can head on over to itunes and leave us a review it really helps other people find our show and maybe people who are watching resistance and want to join in on our conversation too so would really appreciate it if you took a second to do that we do also have our patreon as well where like we said we did have an episode airing our grievances about resistance but we also talk about other things there that we do not hear on the main show so you can head on over there if you're interested in that too and i just want to thank our amazing patrons jason jessica mike thomas bridget gina shelbo joey james kathy gee kate nathan sam bailey eric kelly amy neal mary larry james sarah Susanna, z sheree angela diana becca lynn katie courtney amy kelly jim swara bradley raz lakshana candace Kristen, ewan tom the fanboy daniel heather brooklyn kimma jalia matthew captain Britton, jackson carrie jackson raphael david ada Liz, Christian, Nicole, Jonathan, Rachel, Aaron, Brooke, Rebecca, Kathy, I, Rebel, Kimberly, Vundacast Productions, Christian, Adam, Megan, Courtney, Santara, Thomas, John, Megan, Kate, Matthew, Fernanda, Chell, Manny, David, Claudia, Kate, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumper, Patrick, James, Hammy, Neil, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stewart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kells, Chastity, Aliyah, Travis, Katie, Alyssa, Rebecca, Delaney, Angela, Ali, Natalia, Daz, Serene, Shireen, Molly, Claire, Brad, Caitlin, Rebecca, Helly, Scott, BJ, Casey, Lauren, Tom, Edith, Kirsty, The Clashing Sabers Podcast, and Chuck. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Yes, thank you guys. As always, until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you.
Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.